think there's a lot of shame and people look at the gap between who they think they should have already been and who they are. And then they give up, they throw their hands up and they're like, whatever. My name is Jake Thompson, your chief encouragement officer, and this is the Compete Everyday Podcast, a show designed to encourage and equip you with the tools to build a winning mindset so you can build your winning life. Text podcast to 972-945-9113 to join our morning motivation club and visit competeeveryday.com for past podcast episodes and to learn more about our resources and gear for ambitious people who are ready to start winning. Welcome to the show. Y'all are in for a treat today. Good morning, competitor. Welcome to the Compete Everyday Podcast. This is Jake Thompson, your Chief Encouragement Officer, and I'm incredibly excited to welcome to the show Brian Johnson today. You will notice, if you haven't already seen in the title, Arite. That is the title of Brian's book. It is tattooed on his arm. It is his mission. And for those of you that have read my book, heard us talk about Eritas here on this show, we talk about kind of that overlap, the overlap of, of how I refer to it with the revelation of excellence through competition, and then how Brian talks about it in this pursuit of closing the gap. It's an incredibly thoughtful conversation. Brian is doing some fantastic work through Heroic, uh, not only the Heroic Coach program, but the app, uh, the book. Uh, we're just going to get into a lot of things today around how Brian puts it, marrying modern science with ancient wisdom. And so I think you're in for quite a treat on mindset, on the pursuit of excellence, on how we show up, on having guides, on being heroes, all of these things designed to make you better. In today's show notes, you're going to find a link for Brian's heroic app, as well as a link to Amazon to order his book, Arate. And here's the cool part. What I would encourage you to do while you're already there shopping, because I know you want to pick up this daily reader if you didn't hear the news, my next book, Lead Better Now, is finally available for pre-order. You can get a pre-order on Amazon while you're picking up Brian's book, or you can head on over to CompeteEveryday.com and grab your pre-order copy there, where we'll be doing signed editions of the hardcover and paperback version. This second book is all about transitioning from being an individual performer and contributor in your organization into how to be a leader. How do you step up in that management and leadership role to make the biggest impact instead of just struggling, drowning, feeling overwhelmed by it? And so I'm incredibly excited about this book release. And so we've not only included links to all of Brian's stuff, but heck, while you're in Amazon, I know you're doing some holiday shopping, probably picking up a few gifts for other people, perhaps yourself. Brian's book is a fantastic gift. I can't say enough great things about it. And while you're there, grab a copy of Lead Better Now as well and help support the pre-order launch. Now, that's enough about me. You didn't come to hear me chat today. You came to meet my new friend, Brian Johnson. Brian, welcome to the Compete Everyday Podcast. Jake, thrilled to be here. Yeah, man, I, I have been looking forward to this as I was sharing offline. Uh, we connected right before I was going out of town for a few weeks on vacation with family. And so it gave me some time to to learn a little bit more, listen to some of your work, obviously have a copy of the book, which I absolutely love and excited to dive into. But I got to start here. So the funny, the funny thing that stood out to me 
is Arate. It's printed on your shirt. It's on the front of the book. I first came into con and on the arm too. I know I'm like super jealous of the tattoo. Uh, what really what stood out is the first time I learned about the phrase was, are you familiar with the book top dog? By Ashley Merriman and Poe. Okay. So Ashley Merriman and Poe Bronson wrote a book called top dog, the science of winning and losing. And it was very interesting because they conjugated Arata or Arate to Eratos. And they used it when looking through Greeks as the revelation of excellence through competition. Mm. And I fell in love with it. Obviously, our brand compete every day. I talked a little bit about it in my first book. And so I've always talked about Eratos and I've, and I've seen it conjugated differently. And then I read yours and I read your book and I heard about kind of you talking in interviews about it. And I was like, man, we're some kindred spirits in regards to this pursuit of excellence. But the the thing that stood out, I've always looked at as the revelation of excellence through the lens of pushing your limits, getting out of your comfort zone at competition. And I've heard you frame it more as closing the gap. And I love that. And I would love for you really to share a little bit about what you mean when you talk about the daily pursuit of excellence or closing the gap and, and why really that matters to us, the 21st century today, going about our daily lives busy, distracted, surrounded by, we'll say the mundane. Yeah, dude, what a great frame. And um, so cool that that you're already, you know, falling in love with the word as well. It, it's such a beautiful word. And I love the extension into the competitive sphere, you know, of, of bringing out your best in that dynamic with others who are also committed to excellence. Um, I literally just hung out with the U.S. men's national soccer coach and the USA weightlifting coach who are into the same ideas and and all of that. But the way that I frame it up, um, and then I'll bring it to the closing the gap yeah. moment to moment to moment is, and why I tattooed my body with the word, you know, the, the book is called that, the t-shirt, you know, blazing with it, all that is, um, it's the one word summation of everything I've studied over the last 25 years. So ancient wisdom, modern science, one word. And, and if you ask the ancient, you know, Greek philosophers, Aristotle, Socrates, or Plato, or the ancient Roman Stoics, Aurelius, Epictetus and Seneca, how to live a good life, they'd answer you in a single word, arate. And as you know, we translate the word as virtue or excellence. But from my vantage point, it means something closer to striving to be your best self moment to moment to moment. So it's not even an everyday thing. It's an every moment thing. And then as you started to talk about, you know, I look at it as, look, if if you're capable of being this and you draw a line at your eye height and you're actually being this and there's a gap between who you could have been and who you're actually being, it's in that gap in which regret, anxiety, disillusionment, depression exists. Then it's simultaneously more nuanced than that and as simple as that. And when you close the gap, you're living with orate, there's no room for that negative stuff. And you experience the summum bonum, the greatest good of life, which the Greeks called eudaimonia, a deep sense of joy, of flourishing, of meaning and purpose. And you know you're doing what you're here to do. But then the, the trick is, then the next moment happens and the next moment and the next moment. And the question is, are you closing the gap moment to moment to moment? That's Arte. That's what the book is about, helping you kind of do that more consistently, never perfectly, but more and more consistently and experience that joy and meaning. I love that. I love how you frame that as well. And you talked about that kind of baseline where you are now and, and the pursuit of that full potential, that that excellence. I heard you mention an interview with our mutual friend, Ryan Mickler, about 
making your prior best the new baseline and this constant growth. I think all of us, right? We're in a constant pursuit. But one of the struggles, and I think about this because we're just coming out of Thanksgiving, is the tension between the constant pursuit of how do I improve, how do I make my best better to maximize the potential, to give my family the best version of myself with the living in gratitude for the progress being made and had. Yep. I don't, and I'm curious about your thoughts on that as someone constantly living moment to moment, pursuing excellence. Do you struggle with any tension between maybe the gratitude for where you are and where you've come to while still seeing like, I'm not where I yep. think I can be. I think, I think that's a really important issue. And I think that there's another way to frame it too. I think most people fall into a trap of the gap that they pay the most attention to isn't this moment. It's not, am I treating my kids and my wife and my colleagues and my clients the way I want? Am I showing up in this moment, doing my best? It's, oh my God, I'm 49 years old. I should have been here at this point. There's a huge gap between where I should have been and where I am and I hate myself and now I'm gonna give up. And then you ignore this gap. Then you're going and you're drinking or you're overeating or you're binge watching and you're creating a bigger gap and a bigger gap and that shame comes in. But I would offer it's because you're looking the wrong direction. You're looking back and telling yourself a story that you're not good enough for where you are. Um, and to your point, stating it positively, you're not grateful for the progress you have made. But I think there's a lot of shame and people look at the gap between who they think they should have already been and who they are. And then they give up. They throw their hands up and they're like, whatever. And at least part of their mind is saying, I'm a loser. I've tried to change this. I've tried to change that. Something's wrong with me. Screw it. And so I'm going to go have another drink. And then, then, if I'm really moving down the, the cynical to nihilistic side, I'm going to make fun of guys like us who are trying to be our best selves. And I'm going to tear them down. And this isn't a new challenge. This is 2,500 years old. That's just the human condition. But what I believe we need to do is radically accept where we are. We are, life is what it is. You know, like we are where we are. As Seth Godin says, it's unfortunate that you didn't do what you could have done over the last 10, 25, 50 years, but it's unforgivable to wait any longer. I love that frame. Um, so I think it's important to frame that up. And then, dude, the only thing that matters is this moment. You want a better life in 25 years? You better pay attention to this moment. Then you do it with joy. This is not a chore list. This is not another thing you have to do. It's say, oh, my God, I've performed at a decent level, kind of showing up halfway. What would happen if I went 100% in 100% of the time, or at least tried to? I wonder what my life could look like in my energy, in my work, and my love. Then we get excited about it, and this becomes a game. It's no shame. It's no you know, pain. It's truly a fun, joyful experience. I, I, I love the way you frame that, because that is one of the best ways I've heard someone else describe what we tend to talk about, right? Competing every day with yourself. It's how, how do I make it a game to say, can I be a little bit better than the day before? Where can I be intentional and in showing up? And the way you package that, I think is, is beautifully. And the other thing that came to mind with that is you talked about, we're comparing ourselves to we're 18 to 21, like where we were as an athlete or recovery or whatever the case may be and throwing our hands up, screwing it. But on the same time, I think we struggle human DNA and, and how our brains are wired with the comparison side to someone else and their excellence or yep. what they're pursuing. How do you coach? Cause I know you've worked with tons of people or encourage folks of pursuing your own excellence and what that looks like as your best version, instead of trying to be like this person or that person, because you're never going to yep. measure up. There's always someone ahead, always yep. someone behind. 
A hundred percent. And that you got to know that you got to have the wisdom to know that. And then so I'll, I'll do ancient wisdom and modern science. It's kind of my yeah. thing. So Socrates and Sonia Libomirsky. Socrates says envy is the ulcer of the soul. Envying someone, it, it, it destroys your, your enjoyment of life. You just can't be in that state. Um, and then the reality is there's always someone who's better than you at something. They're better looking. They make more money. They're stronger. They're faster, whatever. Um, Ralph Waldo Emerson, who's on my wall up there, and we named our son after him, uh, he says, uh, envy is ignorance and imitation is suicide. It's ignorance because you have your own gifts. Don't compare yourself to anybody else. Figure out your own path. And then the scientist, Sonia Libomirsky says, happy people don't think about other people very often. And when they do, they're celebrating them. They're not comparing themselves to them in general and certainly not comparing themselves negatively. So when I see someone who's amazing, I look at them and go, damn, that's amazing. I'm, I'm pretty good at one or two things. And I'm pretty much not great at most other things. And so I can celebrate when someone is extraordinary at something and they've mastered their craft because I know how hard that is. And I know I suck at that. And then boom, let's go. I'm looking at them for inspiration that they fully express themselves, right? And I want to do the same in my life. Um, Jim Rome's one of the interviews I did recently that I absolutely love. Jim Rome is Jim Rome. There's no other Jim Rome. That dude is so idiosyncratically out of control himself, like it or love it. There's Jim Rome. He's on fire. You know, like you're, you know what you're getting when you're showing up. But he didn't imitate anybody, dude, which is what made him so great. You know, yet he was driven. He's a competitive dude. I'm sure that he has spent time saying, I want to beat that guy. Well, perfect. Go show up. Strive together. You know, compete. My understanding etymologically doesn't mean to compete, to strive against. Yep. Competere is to strive together. So you and I, dude, I'm inspired by your commitment. I can feel that you're you're showing up, you're doing your best, and together we can get stronger. I want you to set a brisk pace for me. Show me what I'm capable of in that part of my life, you know? But that takes confidence. It takes a level of, of clarity on who you are, what you're committed to doing and being. Um, and then you find people who have high standards who drive you to be even better. That to me is what I think of when I think of competition is people committed to being their best selves in their own idiosyncratic ways. Um, but you got to own your own style. Quit looking outside yourself um, and have fun um, doing great things again, but together, then it becomes yep. an enjoyable, a joyful um, co-creative effort. Yeah, no, and, and that speaks so well of the competition with others with the right mentality and the right teammates brings out the best. It's Duke's Kara Larson, head women's basketball coach, that talked about the idea of working hard versus competing. You're going to go harder in practice with your teammates pushing you to be better if you have the right mentality versus if you're just by yourself. And so there's something special about that moment. The other thing I, I was thinking about with that, of, of what you said on sh kind of embracing where you are, accepting the reality of where you are, wanting to change it, focusing in on what's in your control and do is really getting to the point of you can continue to be a victim of the circumstance that you're in and what life's dealt you and believe you have no agency. Or you can use the phrase that our mutual friend, Brian Kane uses and was really big in the healthcare in the seventies of, so what now what? Like today is that day. And I, and I love how in all of the chapters of your book, a lot of them, it's like today, it's day one, like let's go. And, and that's the mentality we have of you can't change then, but you can change now. You're someone so studied. Obviously you talked about modern science and, and ancient wisdom. Where did your journey with all this start? 
Yeah, I mean, there's a the short answer and a long answer to that, you know, but the short somewhat answer is, uh, uh, I don't know, <laughs> would be the short answer, you know, I mean, I, how the inspiration dropped, but I've always been passionate about these ideas. Grew up in a lower middle class, conservative, Catholic, blue collar family. Father worked in a grocery store for 39 years, first generation college student. Yeah, but I've always been passionate about understanding what it is that makes great people great. People that truly go out and show up and compete to be their best selves. Look at that sign behind you, you know, like what made them tick? Um, and, you know, I experienced my own challenges psychologically and otherwise as I kind of navigated the process. And um, in the process, just fully immersed myself in ancient wisdom, modern science. And I'm just obsessed about this for the better part you know, half of the last 25 years now, basically, I've spent as a founder CEO building and selling two businesses, um, three now and uh, a philosopher reading, writing, thinking, teaching, repeating. And then we've trained, you know, 10,000 people in our coach program and just really tried to figure out how you integrate ancient wisdom and modern science in a practical way in the modern world, and then prove that it works scientifically. Like that's kind of my, my thing. But um yeah just a deep obsession time and reps uh competing with myself as you said beautifully you know yeah so i i'm curious and part of that because when i was researching i saw that you travel a lot and obviously influenced by tons of cultures and conversations was there ever a moment when you thought i want to build something that helps others like you built and sold two businesses you've got the heroic app like i'm curious on your entrepreneurial journey, because there's a ton of different things you could have done, right? Yep. You could have become a monk and studied and, yep. and taught in there, but building and creating not only opportunities for others, but impact, where was that seed planted? That Dude, that's that's a great question. I appreciate you asking the question. I get goosebumps. Um, that's driven everything, everything. Like on my wall up here, I've got Jesus in the upper left to represent my Catholic upbringing. Um, and one of the final chapters in the book is uh, a story about my mom, right? And so I'm I'm the youngest of five kids. My dad, great man, good man, worked hard, but struggled with alcohol, dysfunctional family. You know, his dad struggled with alcohol, ended his own life, as you may have heard me share in other contexts, which impacted me deeply, you know? But I'm the youngest of five kids and I'm kind of the perfect golden child. I do everything right, you know, straight A's and all the other things. But one day I upset my mom. And my mom was just devout, beautiful, soft woman, but I, I upset her, right? And I can vividly remember where I was, that crack in your driveway where the garage door comes down, you know what I mean? Like yep. that right there. I'm standing right there. I could feel it like it was yesterday, but it was 40 years ago. I'm 10 years old. And she grabs me by the shoulders, which she never did. And she shook me and she looked me in the eye. And again, I had let her down. And she says, God gave you gifts. You must give them to the world. And that's the summation of my life's work. That, that's what it means to be heroic, by the way is you dedicate your life to something bigger than yourself. And this moment is about service. It's about doing your best to show up powerfully for something bigger than yourself, not for the six pack, you know, selfie you're going to put on Instagram. Congratulations. No one cares. Do something that matters. And again, the byproduct of doing these things is you have a self, a six pack, but I don't need to go snap a, you know, a selfie of it and show you it. Let me, let me get that energy dialed in. Let me be fit to be useful. Right. Um, but anyway, everything I've done has been driven by that. It's all of that. That's what my first business was. E-teams, families involved in sports. I sucked as a coach. I wanted to help other coaches have a better experience. So I created a platform that 3 million teams wound up using, Little League Baseball wound up using. Um, and then everything I've done has been with that 
absolute um, focal point of how do I help people? So along those lines, every every hero has their their guide, right? The Donald Miller story brand storyline. Clark Kent, Superman had his father, Jor-El's, you know, hologram illusion. Uh, Luke Skywalker had Yoda. Who were those mentors or people that came into your life that helped really to unlock the hero within that you were already starting to forge and, and create? Dude, what a great way to frame it. I really appreciate your thoughtfulness and just how you're framing everything up. So I've got a bunch of dead guys on my wall. Yeah. Right. Um, and then I've got my kids and my wife behind me. Um, and I have two living guides and heroes of mine, John Mackey and Phil Stutz. So John Mackey is my deepest inspiration uh, entrepreneurially. John started Whole Foods. We got to know each other about 19 years ago. We were partnered with one of my old businesses. He nearly bought us. He invested in my last business. And he is my deepest inspiration entrepreneurially. He founded the Conscious Capitalism Movement. I wept when I read a debate that he had in Reason Magazine with Milton Friedman. So Mackie and I are both ardent capitalists, free market capitalists, but he debated Milton Friedman because he made the point, John did, that a good business is driven by love, that you got to care more about, you got to care about all your stakeholders, not just making money. It's important, but you got to come at it from love. Anyway, I literally read it and I wept as a young 30 some early 30s entrepreneur. And then Phil Stutz, unquestionably, is my Yoda. I've done 400 one-on-one -on -one sessions with him. Um, he, I can't even put into words the impact he's had on my life. Uh, basically my spiritual father, beautiful human being. He's in the documentary with Jonah Hill called Stutz, yep. um, wrote a book called The Tools. New book just came out last week, Lessons for Living, but, but Phil Stutz unquestionably is the deepest influence on my life. Love it. And obviously along those lines, you have what you'll have 10,000 plus coaches in the heroic program that have gone through it. Who are you looking today as someone pouring into not only your kids, which is obviously throughout the book, the love and wisdom you're pouring into them, but beyond that, we know legacy as a leader. We we don't care about legacy. We care about impact on others. The legacy takes care of itself, right? What you leave behind. But how are you going about and looking for ways to continue to pour into people, maybe individually, selectively, while you're continuing to pour into the masses is kind of a better way to phrase it through the app, through the book, through the yep. writings, because you obviously can't scale yourself everywhere directly. And so I'm curious on that standpoint, how do you look at as you go through life, transitioning from Luke to Obi-Wan Kenobi? Yeah, I'm already Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> um, so that that's, that's kind of the role that I play, you know, the hero becomes yeah. a guide. So, yep. and yet the hero remains a hero, even look at Dumbledore. So Harry obviously gets Dumbledore as his guide, and then he gets Hermione and Ron as his buddies. But then Harry went through enough heroic journeys such that he and Hermione and Ron became the guides to the other Hogwarts students. And that's how they defeated Voldemort and evil in the battle between vice and virtue in that world. But I think we all simultaneously play the role of hero and guide in a good life, you know, where I'm still striving to be the best, most heroic version of myself. But that is me being a guide. So, you know, the coaches are our force multipliers in there. Um, but then in terms of like mission, I tattooed this arm with heroic and my my 30 year goal, which is 51% of humanity flourishing by 2051. So, you know, the, yeah. So Martin Seligman, the founder of the positive psychology movement, 
when they started that movement in the year 2000, one of my friends asked him a question. What is your moonshot goal? A guy named James Powelski. And uh, Marty came back the next morning and he said, I want to do the research with us and our colleagues and create a movement that can help create a world in which 51% of humanity is flourishing. What that means is 51% of the population is scientifically flourishing. There's a scale for it. We've studied our app. We know that if you use our app, you flourish. You go from the 53rd percentile to the 70th. On the scale that takes you two minutes to do, it's eight questions that measures your well-being. Um, when I first heard that goal, I thought it was crazy. I still think it's crazy. Um, I walked, you know, I just flew in from Chicago just an hour before we got together. And I'm like, you walk through the airport, you're like, wow, we got a lot of work to do here. You look at the world, you're like, we got a lot of work to do here. But that's 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 my mission in life. And then everything I do is lined up to that. Um, but we're doing a lot of work with the military right now that we're I'm proud of and that we're excited about to serve those who protect our freedoms, et cetera. We're doing a lot of work with the corporate world. I think that's going to be the biggest place of impact. We're doing work in the educational environment. All these things are teachable. But are we teaching our kids how to create a noble, virtuous life? Um, no. And then we're doing a lot in the sports world. So, um, you know, that's kind of the we can get into details strategically, yeah. but I start with that big, big vision that I come back to today. And then we've got a number of different kind of dominoes lined up that we want to knock down. I love the the way you frame that because my thoughts immediately went when you talk to the corporate world, I go back to what John Mackey just said and what you were talking about, about you got to have love, like, right? A great business is love. Like you got to love more than just the shareholders and getting them the profits, it's the people. Because we see time and time again of, of organizations and somebody listening to this may think, well, that's a nice fairy tale, but that's an uphill battle you're never going to win. And you can look at it that way. But on the other hand, I look at it as like, what an opportunity to take on that type of Goliath. And so how do you, out of curiosity, continue to keep yourself optimistic and striving versus what could very easily running into obstacles and brick walls be something that could beat you down? Yeah, I practice my philosophy. So, you know, objective one in the book and in our coach program is you got to know the ultimate game. The ultimate game is to be your best self in service to something bigger than yourself. Objective two is you got to know rule number one, it's supposed to be hard. You know, we, we get seduced to play the wrong game. Then we're told it's supposed to be easy. So when you get set back, you think something's wrong with you, then you give up. So you got to forge what I call anti-fragile confidence. That's what the head coach of the U.S. men's national team had me talk to them, his team about a week ago. You know, it, it's it's what the most elite people want me to talk about. How do you get stronger when you get knocked down? And again, this is an obvious idea, but there's a way to operationalize that. And then the I, I basically, I, I, I practice my philosophy. The harder life is, the more committed I am to my basic fundamentals. You know, John wouldn't want to want. I put my socks on every day, dude. I, I know what I do when I'm at my best. And you mentioned that in, in a broader context, but you need to make your prior best your new baseline. That was the number one thing that Greg Berhalter of, of the men's team reflected on after my talk. He's like, that's it. We got to make our prior best our new baseline. And the idea there is you don't give up your gains. If you have figured out what works for you in your life, lock it in. Do those things. Make them non-negotiable. Easier said than done, but that's really, really important. And it's not that hard. It's harder than you think it 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 should be, but not as hard as you as it actually, you know, it isn't as hard as you think it will be, you know? Yep. Um, but anyway, that's that's what I do. Um, eating, moving, sleeping, breathing, focusing my mind, showing up, doing the little things. Um, 
consistently like I mean it, you know? That's right. The the little things I've heard you talk about it a lot, the, the tiny things I tend to encourage folks of it's all about Lego blocks, right? A single Lego block by itself doesn't seem like much. You stack enough, you build something really cool there. One of the things I'm curious along kind of those same lines is a lot of the things we've talked about come down to a self-awareness and an intentionality of action. And for someone listening, it's so easy to get distracted. I mean, right now we're headed, it's holiday season. You've got parties and work and end of year. And somebody's like, I don't have time to do, you know, 30 minutes of cold plunge and wear an aura ring and do all these things that everyone quote says you need to do to, to get to this state of excellence. You talk a lot about the tiny things and knowing what those tiny things were at your best. How can someone listening that maybe is in that go, 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 they're, they're in that distraction mode. How can they start the tiny process of yep. reflecting or building the self-awareness to even know what does excellence look like for me or do I want it to look like? Yeah, I think there's two ways to approach it. Um, I think of Peter Drucker, the great executive strategist, um, business strategist of the 20th century, and another spiritual teacher named Eknath Esperon. They say the first thing to do is keep track of what you're doing. So you don't have, it, it, God bless you if you're in the cold punch for 30 minutes. I'm in for two minutes, dude. <laughs> doing great. But, <laughs> but, but what, you know, my joke is let me follow you around for a day. So let me follow you around for a day. And let me see if I can carve out another 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 60 minutes out of that busy, busy, busy day you have that you're not leaking any energy anywhere. Um, and let's have fun with that, you know? And then, the, yeah. oh, by the way, someone is watching you. A version of you, your best self is watching you. And every single time you deviate from what you're capable of doing, Abraham Maslow says, the guy that came up with the hierarchy of needs and the self-actualizing individual, every time you deviate, you make an imprint on your consciousness. And the days in which you don't show up, you don't close the gap, you do the stupid things you know you shouldn't be doing, are the days you want to numb yourself because you knew you were so far from what you could have been. So we just need to start with radical honesty about where you're at. You think you're at an eight, you're really at a two, is one of my favorite lines from Joe, I think, Mag Maganella, I never know how to pronounce his name. But anyway, I'd start with it, just keep track for a day. Let's see where, let's see where your time's going right now. Um, but then I would look back and I'd say, all right, let's figure out when you were at your best, right? And think about a time, whether it was a day, a week, a month, a year, or a decade, when you were just crushing it. And then bust out a piece of paper draw a line down the middle and put do on the upper left and don't on the upper right and write down the things you were doing when you were at your best and the things you weren't doing when you were at your best. Then look at your current life and see the things that you did when you were at your best that you're not currently doing and then identify the one thing that if you started doing it would most change your life and the one thing that if you stopped doing it that you never did when you were at your best, right? And we all got our kryptonites. But that one thing that you need to stop doing, that's the fastest way to change your life. Paradoxically, it's not doing new things. It's stop doing the things that you know aren't helping the process. And the way I approach the end of the year is, damn, there's, we're talking there's 34 days left in the year, 33 days left in the year. I'm fired up. I want to finish the year strong. Yeah, we've got just had Thanksgiving. We got Christmas, but boom, I'm clearing my mind. I'm clearing my consciousness. I want to finish this year strong. I want to make 2024 the best year of 2024. It's exciting to imagine January 1st, 2025. You got to have something that fires you up. Um, and again, it's these are not chores. These are exciting opportunities that that um, true competitors get fired up about. Like, oh, wow, if I can perform at that level doing this, 
what would happen if I dialed this in and that in? Um, and we create a vision for our lives that, that uh, obviously, you know, but that, that fires us up and then have fun doing all these little things, you know? Yeah, no, I, I love how you frame that exercise because it's it's similar. We've talked about it here on the show. Our listeners are familiar that start, stop, continue, right? We do it on, we talk about doing it on a weekly basis when looking at your work, but annual basis, like that's something to get you fired up going into the year of like, what am I going to start next year? What am I going to stop? And what am I going to continue? What have I done well that puts me at my best that I should continue doing? And so I love how you made that very simple. Obviously, we know simple isn't necessarily easy, uh, but it's a simple process that if we create the time, build the awareness, it could really make that change. And, and it all goes back to the one thing I've heard you say over and over again that pops in my head is the quote, and I probably saw it somewhere online of like, if you took six months and went all in on yourself, actually cut the drinking, started working out, focused on your, like went in on your relationships, how much would your life transform? And most people underestimate what like all in attention and intentionality could do. And so I just love how you've repeated that in a few different ways. And ultimately, isn't that kind of the purpose? Like pursue our full potential. And to, to your mom's point, like you have, every one of us have a gift. It's our responsibility to share that with the world, to help others, to get it out there. Um, Baron, man, I've absolutely loved this. For those listening, we got a ton of ways that you're helping people right now. Obviously, the book is a big one. And, and when I hold this up, if you're watching the video, you may freak out because you're like, that's a really big book. But think about this as little daily readers. I've treated it as waking up first thing in the morning. I'm going to read it. It's a couple pages. I, I love that style. It reminds me as a kid, I wasn't raised Catholic. I was raised Southern Baptist, like the old school daily devotionals, like quick read, give me something to chew on throughout the day. Ryan Holiday's books were very similar to that, his kind of current series. And so for those of you that love that kind of start, it's fantastic. But tell me about the app. I'm involved with it, but I want our listeners to hear about it, which funny enough, I had someone in our community, he's probably listening to the show and going to murder me for not remembering who, but he hit me up about this app a year or two ago when y'all were first developing it. It was like, hey, you got to be on the lookout for this. It's right up your alley. And so now that I've seen it and gotten to be a part of it, like I absolutely love it. And so share with that opportunity of where people can get connected to grow and develop. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Um, and thank you for the kind words on the book and all the other things. Um, so the app is called Heroic. Um, you can find it in your iOS store um, and uh or Android, I just brought it up. I don't know if that actually yep. comes up. Can you see that? Then? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. uh, we built the app with the same company that built Slack, Tinder, Uber Eats. Elon Musk went to them to build Neuralink, his new um, platform. But it's got a ton of content. The theory in which I've distilled um, 650 of the greatest books, including, you know, you want to get into stoicism? Cool. Well, here's the Daily Stoic. What's Ryan have to say? Well, here are what I call big ideas on the Daily Stoic. You can get through this in 20 minutes. Um, this is what John Mackey, for example, you know, absolutely loves. We've got dozens of notes on stoicism. What do you want? Mental toughness. One of my favorite subjects as well. Um, here that, you know, Kaner, his book, yep. we got his yep. here, 10 pillars, you know, fantastic. Uh, but anyway, we got a lot of theory. And then the thing I'm most excited about is the practice. So we've scientifically studied the app. And we know that if you come in, you set up your protocol is what we call it. And we help you move from the do don't list all the way into, yeah, yeah, this is you at your best in what we call your big three, energy, work, and love. You get an identity, you create virtues associated with that identity, and then you do the things 
um, that you know you do when you're at your best. So this is my list of, of things I do when I'm at my best. Simple things, but I do them every single day um, in my energy, in my work, um, and in my love. Um, this has been scientifically shown to, to change lives, which we're proud of. Uh, then we got the coach program, which is mastery. Um, and then we've got a social platform that's in beta mode right now. But imagine a Facebook without the Facebook. So I had a book launch, uh, what do you call it? A, uh, a book signing, whatever presentation yep. yesterday. Yep. So some people put on pictures. But imagine, you know, simple Facebook um, tools uh, for people that are interested in uh, connecting with people outside of the context of Facebook. That's the big thing for 2024. So Kaner's coming on as one of our primary guides. A hero gets a guide. Yep. So Kaner's here, actually. I can find Kaner right here. Um, a hero, when they go on a quest, they get a guide and they get buddies. That's how we architected our social platform. Um, and so, you know, you, I'm looking at you and your community. People that listen to your show have more in common with other guys and women that are listening to the show than most people in their lives. Yep. But where do they connect? You know, uh, you can go follow you on TikTok or Instagram or Twitter or wherever you're at. But where do they really connect with one another? This is what we architected. Um, and look, Kaner's already blown up his big three protocol for the day. This is his profile. Uh, you know, we got him celebrating his meditation. And here he is. On, I mean, it's just, it's a cool platform to connect. Um, uh, that's that's kind of heroic. It's a social training platform, moving you from theory to practice to mastery together today. And uh, obviously fired up about it. And um, anyone interested would love to uh, welcome you to the, to the uh, old tribe. Love it. Love it, Brian. Well, we've got links to the book, the app, everything here in the show notes, as well as your social media to give you a follow. Dude, this has been a blast and a pleasure. I appreciate you coming on the show this week. Dude, I appreciate you, Jake. That was a lot of fun. I appreciate um, just the way you framed everything up, how you show up and um, honored to be with you, man. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. To get in touch with the team, drop us an email to podcast at competeeveryday.com. And to find out more about our resources, content, and gear that will help you build that winning mindset so you better compete for your best life, visit competeeveryday.com.